0: Hello everyone, this is Megan Telpner and today we'll be mapping meal prep motivation on the 15-Minute Matrix.
1: Welcome to the 15 Minute Matrix Special Nutrition Therapy series, where we're going to dive into the approaches, practices, dietary theories, and healing foods that have been used in the most successful practices across the globe and throughout history. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist, and your host. The 15-Minute Matrix is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons which highlight the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition, and that's the functional matrix. The functional nutrition matrix reminds us of three very important factors in our clinical care. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com. If you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Megan Telpner. Megan Telpner is a Toronto-based author, nutritionist, and founder of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. She's written two best-selling books, Undiet, Eat Your Way to Vibrant Health, and the Undiet Cookbook, Megan's success in cultivating a global community of culinary nutrition experts has garnered her a feature in Forbes and ranked her as one of the top 100 female entrepreneurs in Canada. Megan, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. What a treat to have time with you. I know. Thank you so much for having me. So I can't actually think of who I would rather speak to about meal prep motivation, especially Megan, because you make it so fun, so easy, and so relatable. But I want to just start by breaking down how you define meal prep and then how you define motivation so we can connect the dots between the two. Because I think a lot of clinicians think that nutrition and changing our diets is a handout. And it's not. There's a lot we
0: have to do here. So what do you mean by meal prep? Right. Yes, it can be a handout, but not if you actually want compliance. Right. And exactly. I think of the, you know, the number of times I've, in my past, had been to a doctor and they're like, here's the, your list of foods. I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do with this. So meal prep is the simple idea of thinking about what you're going to be eating for the week and then preparing for it so that you're not in that situation where you're finishing your workday and you have to either get your kids from school or you're going right into mealtime and you're opening the fridge and have no clue what to do. Or you're like, oh, I was going to make broccoli, but oh yes, it's been rotting at the back of my fridge for 10 days and now it's not good anymore. So the simplest way to think about meal prep is to plan out a realistic number of meals you're going to make in a week. And what I mean by that is don't do 21 new recipes in a week because you're like, I'm going to get all onto this because you'll burn out and you'll be done. You'll be like, this is overwhelming. But if you think about the meals, you're actually going to be making that week and then doing as much of that prep for each meal in advance. So maybe that means washing and slicing up your carrots, cutting off the end of your lettuce and putting it through your salad spinner. Maybe it's cutting up your sweet potatoes and your potatoes or your squashes. Maybe it's washing your herbs, wrapping them in a towel, and then keeping them in an airtight container. So different ways to prep predominantly the produce because that's usually what actually takes up most of the time. I'd also add to that list making a couple salad dressings and maybe one dip. So now you have the basics prepped and you have one of those like vision board kind of refrigerators where everything <laughs> is nicely stored in their glass containers and you can see everything you have and there's no rotting cabbage in your fridge or like the rancid hummus or these things that tend to be epidemic in people who are trying to eat better. And so then when it comes to actually making a meal, you're literally just assembling the work you've already done and you can then more effectively stick to the plan.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. That sounds like motivation in and of itself. If we open our fridge and see that beautiful fridge, I can just envision your rainbow fridge, Megan. <laughs> in <thinking> about it. <laughs> My fridge doesn't look like that, but I don't mind the chopping in the day. For me, part of the prep is the shopping and thinking through, just as you were saying, like how do I think about what I'm going to make that week in advance? And when I was so busy with a little kid like you are, I would actually flag my recipe books for what I was going to make. So on Sunday, before I went grocery shopping, I would just decide what are the five meals I'm making this week? And then shop specifically for those meals. So I knew that the cabbage I had in my fridge had a purpose rather than me having to then think at the end of the day, what
0: am I going to do with that cabbage?
1: Does that work as a meal prep method?
0: Yeah. So what we've done in our house, because I like, I know there's a lot of fancy apps, but we're not fancy app people. So we have a list on our phone, like in the notes section, of our favorite meals. And then within those meals, there's maybe like 20 meals in there. We've created four or five different meal plan combinations. So we basically be like, we're doing meal plan one this week. And most of these recipes we've made so many times that we know what's in them. We don't have to check them, but if you're newer to it, you can just put, you know, your favorite meal and put to it a book and a page number so that you're not actually flipping through a bunch of cookbooks with little bookmarks in them, but you've just, you've got it all right there. And then, yes, yeah, so then we shop for that. And then a really important thing, and this is where some inner motivation can go a long way, is to plan your shopping to include your appropriate and responsible putting away of the food when you get home. because if you just throw it in the fridge, you're never going to get back to doing the cleanup and the prep. So, If it takes you an hour to go grocery shopping, what you want to do is carve out two hours so that you do the shop and then you do the prep so that things are cleaned up and ready to go. Even if you don't do full vegetable prep and full prep for the week, you've at least organized it so you know what you have and where to find it.
1: Mm, I love this. So I'm writing down steps because I like steps and tell me if I'm missing any. We're assembling our recipes. So we're deciding what do we want to make. We're then shopping we're then prepping and then we're
0: storing. Exactly. And then you're cooking.
1: And that sounds like it's the preparation that becomes the motivation because we've invested in itself in actually going to what we have and being excited about. We did the work. So it's kind of like reaping the benefits, which
0: I think is motivating. It's like finding $20 in an old pair of jeans (laughs) is when you go to make your meal and all the work's done. You don't have to think about it. You know, there's not a lot of cleanup if you've prepped your veggies in advance. And then you get a beautiful home-cooked meal in under 30 minutes in most cases.
1: That's awesome. So when you're teaching all the culinary experts that you train, do you find that they have a lot of questions about the people they're trying to help get motivated around? changing their diet or making the food and getting into that stage of motivation?
0: What's really interesting with my students as they're going through my program is that a lot of them come into the program because they have a passion for cooking. But few have ever done that kind of preparation for themselves and almost... To succeed in the program, they have to start getting that level of organized. And so they get so excited about this process that they've all found their own methods. And, you know, I love how you broke it up into steps. And I wish I had that level of logic and streamlining (laughs) in my brain. It doesn't quite work that way. But the challenge that most of my graduates and a lot of practitioners would find in going out With new people and guiding them in this, is that you're also working not just with having them choose recipes, but you're often introducing actually new foods to them and breaking those old habits. So, if you can ease this transitional process and make it enjoyable and satisfying, like you have that inner motivation and then the reward, they'll be more inclined to do it and less inclined to revert to a lower set point when they get busy or when they get stressed. So, if you can ease that transition, and the food in their house has changed, they'll be better able to follow the protocol. And of course, that food component is so critical to success in achieving the health goals overall. Right. If we think
1: back through our ancestors, was there big meal prep happening? Or are we now in a culture where time and stress and all the requirements and demands on us is shifting that need for meal prep.
0: I don't know, how far are we going with this ancestry? Like, are we foraging for berries? Because I don't think they were prepping. Right. But I think about my grandparents. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, like were- And we
1: could have the same grandparents.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, my grandmother who was Canadian born, like, a lot of her meals came out of cans. Like her heyday was in the 50s and 60s and it was canned peas and frozen corn niblets and that was it, but she didn't work. So she did, you know, do- the meals for that night's dinner. I think meal prep becomes more critical when both parents or if someone is independent parenting are either out of the house or working full time and don't have, I would consider it a luxury to be able to, you know, at three o'clock or even at two o'clock, if you have school pickup, but to start preparing a meal that's ready that evening. I'd like to think in my perfect world, that's how I would cook every meal, but it's not realistic. So I think that if we're looking at how we function in 2021, that meal prep optimally by all, I'd say people over the age of 10 in a household should be part of the process so that everyone's part of meal time and the responsibility doesn't just rest on one person. But it is going to be critical for everyone to Understand why it's important and to be willing to be part of it so that there's healthy meals for everybody. Yeah,
1: I think it's a really important point to think about the differences over time and the demands that are placed on us, especially as women. And I'm older than you, so my grandparents were cooking whole foods, and my grandmother was college educated and did work as a teacher. But still there was that responsibility of coming home or that felt responsibility of coming home and cooking and taking that all on for the family. And now I think when we're working with people, we have to recognize the reality of their lives. When are they coming home from work? Are they leaving the house for work? What are the requirements or demands on their time? So that we can actually have the conversation with them about eating healthier, I think that's often a missing step, that recognition of what's the reality of your life and everything that you're juggling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had periods, my husband and I, before we had a child, where we were using a meal delivery service because we were just working so much. And we're like, this is nuts. And this isn't sustainable. It's not cost-effective. And how are we actually, like, are we really actually working 10 hours a day? Or are we just letting our work take 10 hours to get done? And really reevaluating that once we had our child to ensure that one of us, and you know Josh will say to me, you're so lucky I cook. I'm like, no, 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 you're lucky you know how to cook because otherwise <laughs> you'd have to figure it out. And we really, we co-parent and we take turns in the week who picks them up and whoever picks them up is responsible for dinner. And it's nice for the other parent as well to not have to think about it every so often. So I think it's just recognizing that taking the time in your week, whether it's on a Saturday or Sunday or a Friday afternoon or whenever you can carve out that time and realizing and recognizing that this is a non-negotiable part of living an optimally healthy life. It's preparing the food. And if you're going to say, well, I don't have time, then you're going to hire someone who will. So you're either going to find the time or the money. And often finding the time is a little bit easier these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good point. And it's just really making me think of those back it up assessment conversations we need to have where we are talking to our clients and patients about how many hours they're working a day. Do they need to work those hours? Are they prioritizing? Where is there room for the opportunity to either in the weekend, like you said, and as a family prep food? together. I was listening to a great podcast. It was a Splendid Table. I love listening to cooking podcasts, including You and Josh talking about cooking in your life, but I love just hearing different stories and there was a Dad's episode they did a replay recently and there was a Dad's episode where there was a cookbook author talking about how to cook with children through time. What are you chopping? Is it going to save you time? Even if you have to like do a little bit of a do-over because they didn't cut it small enough or right, or didn't do the mortar and pestle just right for the quality or quantity that you needed of the garlic. But where do we incorporate everybody in the prep?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. My son's been in the kitchen since he was like a week old. He was like in his bouncy chair. And he started assisting with prep when he was about 18 months old by like tearing the kale and washing the mushrooms. And since then, as his skills have developed and he's become less of a of a threat or a, a drooling hazard if we're cooking for <laughs> other people, his tasks have changed. So he'll clean mushrooms. He can slice mushrooms. He has a, his own little knife. He doesn't do the harder stuff with a knife unless one of us is with him. He'll mix stuff. He bakes with us. He cooks with us. And the kitchen is literally the center of our home. And one of us is pretty much in there all the time. At least one of us is, is in there. And so him recognizing that we don't buy things in packages that we can make them ourselves. And if we do buy it in a package, it's a very special treat. And I'm talking about like crackers. Like if we buy a package cracker, He's like, what? And it's like really (laughs) the next level, but that we are teaching him. And because it's a a value of ours and our family that anything we can buy, we can make from scratch if we we just have to learn how. And so that's a value we're instilling. And so there's no expectation that food comes any other way than making it.
1: You're such an inspiration in meal prep motivation in so many ways. I want to move in and have you make my crackers too, but When you're talking to all of us, coaches, clinicians, doctors, health coaches, nutritionists, and you see some of the mistakes we make, and there's things you wish we all knew about meal prep motivation for the people we serve, what would that be? What is it that you wish you could scream from the rooftops?
0: It's just a skill. So when people say, I can't cook, I'm not good at it. It's just a skill. And the more you practice any skill, you get faster at it and you get better at it. So the first couple of times will feel a little clunky and maybe annoying if you're not really into any of it. But as you get better at it, it becomes a no brainer. And it's just part of how you conduct your home. If Again, if the objective is health, like if the objective is health, cooking has to happen. And so to meal prep, is the way to make it as easy and streamlined as possible. And an extra benefit is that you save a lot of money. So if 30%, the estimate is 30% of your food costs go straight into the garbage because of rot and just not preparing and not planning properly, like imagine what you could do with 30% of your grocery budget. It could go to buying more food. It could go to buying different things if less is going into the garbage. So there's different ways to factor in that motivation depending on the individual. And of course, in functional medicine and functional nutrition, it always goes to that individual human. So if it's money, then there's a benefit. If it's time, there's a benefit. If it's health, there's a benefit. And it's really zeroing in on what will be the most predominant motivating factor for the individual. Mm,
1: So beautifully said. Megan, thank you so much for, again, inspiring us today. I feel inspired and I'm excited to share your work with
0: everybody here. Thank you so much for having me. Always lovely to chat with you.
1: The 15 Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15 Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website. 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.